1: How's it going, Tim? It's
0: going great. Thanks for having
1: me. Thank you so much. Tim, please introduce
0: yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Perfect. Well, my name is Tim Henry, co-founder CEO of Paul, a modern employment platform for CDL truck drivers here in the United States. And I am calling in from Denver, Colorado. Very nice, very nice. We were just talking
1: about the best places to live before we hit record. So you said you are a modern, what platform? Employment platform. Employment for platform. CDL. That's the drivers we all use. CDL yeah. drivers. So that's that's not the uh, guys who are delivering uh, last mile. That's the guys who are going over the road.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it spans a gamut. So drivers um, active on the platform could be doing local deliveries for for 3PL or actually doing daily regional runs for some of the most well-known for hire carriers in our in, in the US. So it spans a gamut. Very nice. Very nice. It's something that's so, so
1: much talked about, which is this idea of we have a driver shortage. We have a driver shortage. And I heard, and I won't mention their name, but um, a CEO of a very large trucking company say in a meeting a few years ago. There never has been a time when we didn't have a truck or sh- driver shortage, and there will never be a time when we don't have a driver shortage. And it is a kind of a weird thing to say. And by the way, right now we're hearing so much talk of there's a teacher shortage. Yeah. And I'm kind of inclined to say, no, there's not a, there's not a shortage. There, if Right now, if we raise the rates of drivers 20%, we would have movement. It's a hard job. People want to get paid
0: really well to do it. <laughs> right? I think and, you're uh, right you're absolutely right it's misalignment
1: now if you said we have a problem
0: with creating enough
1: nuclear scientists or surgeons who do brain surgery yeah that that could be a temporary where you go that's really hard to get to but and driving is a really hard job but it's people do it I think what also from what I learned we'll talk more you're the expert. A lot of people say, yeah, I'm a driver, but I also, I'm a carpenter and I'm also a builder. And I also have, you know, sometimes you find these guys who have lots of skills and lots of opportunities. And that, and yeah. I've heard, I've heard people are going and saying, you know what? I'm going to work in this warehouse. I can manage this warehouse for these guys rather than deliver it to this warehouse. So I think the idea that, oh, it's driver short, driver shortage. Driver shortage. Uh, you know what? up the pay and let's see how bad that is. <laughs>
0: yeah. And Joe, you mentioned something that we we truly believe here. It, there's 10 million CDL holders in the United States. And that's a lot of people who have the licensor to jump in a truck. We can debate, like, are they still qualified? Are they still active right. in a truck based on you know FMCSA DOT regulations? But there's 10 million holders of that. And, and as you said, a lot of people Have that license, but do other stuff. Or they may be a school bus driver, right? Or they actually uh, may be uh, in construction, but need to be able to move that commercial vehicle of of a raw good across the site. So there's a lot of people have their CBL, but what you what you described of people being pulled in different. In different, I would say, just jobs, uh, different ways to especially the make trades, a right? Yeah, and that's what it is. You know, commercial driving, being in a truck is a trade. It's a skill. It takes It takes training. It takes uh, mentorship, and it takes practice to make sure you keep those skills up, like swinging swinging a hammer on a construction site or finishing carpentry. You know, it it t- it's a skill. But we what we saw in my co founder and kind of the origin behind the hall is. You know, my co and I were early members of the team behind Uber Freight. And just to educate your listeners just in case, so, you know, Uber got into trucking back into in 2016, both on the autonomous side, but also on the digital network side, which which was Uber Freight. You know, under the hood, you know, they're really taking on. The the freight brokerage model that we we all should be familiar with, you know, think CA Robinson, Coyote Logistics, and other digital upstarts like Convoy. But when Tuan and I were there building under that brand, we launched the Uber Freight app available in the Google and Apple store. It wasn't it wasn't you know the owner operator or the long tail fleet you know fleet a uh, carrier of five trucks or less who were rushing to the app and downloading it. It was actually rideshare partners and Uber Eats partners who had their CDL but were working in the gig economy. So Joe, I will even add one other thing, you know, the days of just competing for workforce in a truck from construction, warehousing, retail, we got a new competitor. We have the gig economy. And that's always been the sandbox. It's like, okay, like it's it's even harder than ever. So what does trucking need to take on to, to attract this talent that has seen has a lot of options?
1: Right. Don't answer this one yet because I'm going to ask it later on. And if I don't, remind me. How how often are we seeing drivers leave to go do gig economy? Because I've said many times on the podcast we have a shortage of warehouse workers, dock workers. And I keep thinking, Tim, if you and I had the choice tomorrow, Joe, Tim, you can either come to this warehouse and start moving the stuff around and. You're going to walk 10 miles a day. You're going to lift some boxes. You're going to do this, that, the other thing. Or you're going to be DoorDash drivers or Lyft drivers or ship drivers. I'd be like, oh, hell yes. I'll be driving around in my car, listening to my music, drinking my Diet Coke. Life is yeah. much better than that. And I think one of the things that I talked about warehouses is that's why if I do have a warehouse, I have to make it easy to work at. And I think that means... Using the latest and greatest technology because I might be enticed to go work at the warehouse. If you go, Joe, you're going to have you're going to be able to scan with something on your wrist. You're going to have the voice orders in your ear. Everything is high tech here. You are part of a high tech supply chain. Okay, now I now you've talked about a career. I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, what you touched on is is the reality, and not just you know. And and I and I will stress this. You know, obviously, Hall is playing in the the, the truck driver vertical, but this the, what you describe is is what every industry employer is trying to tackle with. Whether it's within nutritional knowledge economy or the light industrial or nutritional trades, people are really trying to augment the optics, but also the tooling around these jobs. That at the end of the day, this next generation of of workforce needs there's a feature set has changed so everyone needs to run to the modern technology because this controls our lives right Right. you know so you're holding up that mobile phone yeah yeah. by the way
1: i also feel like even though we hear sometimes in the media like you know the the grinding poverty of living in america the reality is we are a very wealthy country and most kids who are the sons and daughters of the baby boomers and the Gen X, their parents have money and their parents say, I shouldn't say not all of them, <laughs> but um, most of them have done well enough to say, get off to school, go get, go, go get educated. And somebody came to me not so long ago, maybe four or five years ago and said, I really want to drive. I want to drive a truck. I want I want to own a small, I want to own an. I want to I want to be an owner operator, I want to own a few other trucks beyond that. And I was like, really? And I go, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I said, I can introduce you. I can get you working soon. LTL you, they'll even train you. I said, but I said, I would think twice about that. And he goes, well, what would you say? He goes, I don't have my degree yet. And he didn't want to go back to school because he had a lot of student debt. I said, well right now right outside Ann Arbor. Go work in tech. And he got into tech and there's a ton of security tech companies there and he works for one of them and he's killing it and and it's just a better gig you know so the, the wealth of this country the That's wealth we of this country here. forces people we I should say the wealth of this country is making it
0: hard to get people to take these kind of jobs so we have to change we have to change the experience you know I, you know my toan my co-founder i'll mention several times on this podcast because you know he's building here with me is we can't make trucking less sucky but we can change the the relationship people have with the career in trucking and that is the sandbox that not only Hall but others need to be playing in because you know i take what we're building like you know i'm always going to vote for what we're building as best in class but i will say this is the existential supply chain threat if companies across the board whether they're the trucking company themselves and vendors they're supporting them we need to make trucking different we how we plan labor in the truck we have to it's it's my i feel like it's almost my national duty just to keep barking about this because people don't really understand that you know again i do agree with you there's always been a shortage but there's going to be a point where we just we just can't attract the labor in the truck to, to conduct the work to keep our shelves. I heard somebody say this, and I don't
1: have any facts. I just heard somebody say it, that trucking used to be one of the very best paid blue collar jobs. And they said it's no longer. And to me, it is one of the most difficult, if not, the, <laughs> there's a lot of tough jobs in the blue collar world. So I don't want to get I don't want to be overly bombastic, but being on the road is tough. Anyway, we'll come back to all that in a minute. So the name of the company is Hall, H A U L, not not like a hallway, but like haul your stuff. I love the name. So we'll come back to that in a minute. Tim, tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some your background before you started Hall. Just just the, just the bullet points.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, born and raised in Chicago. Um, North Side, so go Cubs. And you know, I was—I grew up in a middle caste family, a son of a therapist. Oh, I noticed something
1: a little off with you.
0: Ah, <laughs> did I ask about how you're feeling today? And you know, yeah. no. And 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 again, that's always been an important part of how how I've interacted in my career, how I try to lead here at Hall is you gotta lead with you know emotional intelligence. That's at the end of the day, we're all humans, and we need to be able to to understand like where we're coming from and really try to meet people where they're at. And But, you know, I I was just, a you know, in high school. Where'd you go to school? I went to Gordon Tech. It's no longer around. High school, Gordon Tech, go Rams. Now it's DePaul College Prep. But then I went to university at Illinois Wesleyan in Bloomington, Illinois. A lot of people may know that town from State Farm is based there. Country Financial is based there. And, you know, I openly didn't know what I wanted to do in school. I just, I was the, at that time, the first one in my immediate family to go to a traditional for university. So I was happy just to be there. But, you know, it was during that time where I really got interested in, and while I was in college, I was really interested in political, political economy, like really understand how policies inform how. How a country is run and how resources are divvied up. And but when I graduated, real life, you know, you know, hit me, hit me, and I had to find a job. And I had a very strict family, and I had to, had to figure out.
1: Before you go any further, um, I was for a minute rushing up against an econ degree and a lot of people get econ degrees and, and then do business. But I remember somebody at one of my econ classes, the cool thing about being an econ major is when you graduate and you're standing in an unemployment line, you can explain why you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's really true. That's so good.
0: <laughs> that's so good.
1: Everybody else is like, I don't know why I'm unemployed. I know exactly why I'm
0: unemployed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for all those, maybe Kids listening to this who are in college accounting. I swear, you know, accounting will keep well. Paying the rent what's
1: happened so often, and it's such a uh, don't give me, I'm um, the college, college is crap nonsense, but so many kids don't get into school business for whatever reason. And I'll just say, because I'm, I'll just, I think this is true because college administrators are stupid. So they instead they get a degree in econ and go into business. Thank you very much, co- college administrators, because you know best what we need. <laughs> Anyway, enough of my blather. Continue. And,
0: you know, and kind of how the story goes, I needed to find a job. I was, uh, yeah, at this time living on a buddy's couch because uh, I was too proud to go home. And I I found, I started working at uh, kind of this, uh, it was a venture firm in Chicago called Light Bank. And Light Bank was an early VC in Chicago. Was started by the founders of Groupon, Echo Global Logistics. I think inner was another. Oh, well, one. yeah, one of
1: that that guy's from Michigan, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, Michigan, the Michigan guys.
1: What's his name again?
0: Brad Keywell and Eric Lemakowski were both. Yeah, Michigan I think. Yeah,
1: they were, both went to Michigan, but I think one of them's from Michigan. I think the other. Yeah,
0: day. yeah, and uh, but yeah, you know, I wildly I know.
1: successful. Yeah, that's always,
0: you know, and, and again, LightBank, like what what that provided me was just a, a visibility to what it meant to be a digital enabled company. My first company I worked for as an unpaid intern was a company called FUDA. And this is how it ties into logistics is, you know, FUDA was a digital take on catering, which was started by a couple of Echo Echo folks that, you know, they were Echo Global Logistics, for those who don't know, is in kind of this West Loop part of Chicago, was kind of what people call the food desert, just no real restaurants buy it. And they started brokering they started brokering restaurants to bring in food. They would buy it wholesale from the restaurants, have them sell it at a, you know, they were able to sell it at a higher price and they would make the the slim margin and you know, taking what they learned from the echo days. And but it was when I was moving food into their offices, I I looked around, I was like, This this there's a lot of energy in this office and and at that time I had friends out of college I were working at Coyote Logistics. And, you know, for anyone who was, you know, this was early, you know, 2013, 2014, you know, Coyote, that was Coyote's like moment where they were growing like hotcakes, people were on the carrier sales floor making rips. You know, just you know, like they were buying all the drinks at the bar. I was saving my cash to pay rent. And but that's but that was it was via this weird, vicarious way from my first internship out of college, I saw like the, the, the activity of logistics and that was actually just right down the hallway. I want to,
1: like, I want to buy drinks at the bar.
0: <laughs> it was little stuff like that. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it, it's, you take note of like, Oh, there's value creation, right? Whether you know, they, they were the reason they were able to buy drinks because they were adding value at some part of transaction. And I wanted part of that. And I was, uh, Via that kind of little time in my life, I was able to find a company called Logistical Labs that was being started by a CEO, was being backed by a CEO of another brokerage firm called Load Deliver. That was right down the street from Coyote. And Logistical Labs was an early kind of out-of-the-box pricing tool for um, asset, non-asset logistics and transportation companies. And it bolted into the TMS and allowed... It just created a better workflow for when a sales rep is trying to, quote, a uh, load opportunity, or 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 price an RFP, and that that's kind of what launched me into my career in logistics. It was just a happenstance moment of being in Chicago at the right time when people were starting to build tech around logistics and transportation. Yeah,
1: and I think twenty five percent of all freight goes through Chicago. And I mean, those you're talking brokerages, but it it, it is everything a significant. Significant hub in America, and by the way, if you drive through Chicago, and my I have a family in Wisconsin, so made that trip a lot of times, a thousand times, a thousand times, and I have buddies in in Illinois. Yeah, when you're driving through downtown Chicago, and that's like a hour and a half drive, <laughs> if it's not traffic there are so many trucks. It's unbelievable how many trucks are on the road. I always feel like I'm the only one not driving a truck when I'm on the road there. And that lasts all the way till Gary, Indiana.
0: (laughs) It's funny you say that because I really didn't notice them growing up because I grew up right in the city and I Dan Ryan up and down my whole life. And it wasn't until I started working in logistics that my kind of blind, you know, my, my. And blind you, started the you started noticing all the trucks. started noticing them. <laughs> and it's so true. And I think that's a lot of, I think that's what's happening right now in like the logistics and transportation, broader supply chain space. Because I think what COVID did was like, op- like reveal the current, like what, how that quinoa gets to the shelf. Yeah. You know,
1: when people started saying the essential workers, you're like, and, Thank you all, anyone who's an essential worker. But don't forget the truckers and the dock workers. They all started before the hospitals open.
0: Yeah, and that that's totally fair. And it wasn't until like COVID, you know, and again, I, I've been very fortunate in my career, but I definitely, you know, we all live in kind of this supply chain nerd bubble. But it wasn't until like Wall Street Journal started putting, pushing out articles around why your stuff is not getting there where people... At like a random restaurant, be like, "Oh, like, yeah, the dri- the drivers. I hear that's a big issue." I'm like, "Geez, you know, like, yeah. you know, like." So it just you don't realize until you start. We you know, we, it we, we took nudge.
1: it we took it for granted. So where'd you go from logistical labs?
0: So I that's, I joined Uber Freight. I joined oh, Uber wow. Freight. I I was early, yeah, early team. Uh, the ever. rocket ship.
1: So how many employees <laughs> did they have then?
0: Oh, I think it was just a few handfuls of us. It was some some early Uber folks that, you know, Uber Freight was the new shiny thing. They came over some uh, early Coyote folks and then a few ragtag people who probably shouldn't have been in the room like me, just like in, 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 a, in, a, where, in a warehouse in San Francisco. So did you move? I moved. I, I, I left Chicago and I, I moved to SF and I called that home um, during those years and, uh, and, and called it home for a while until, until I moved to Denver. So I'm curious, uh, how long did you stay over there at Uber? Not not too long. I you know I maybe um uh, close to two years. In so how long did you stay at Uber, and what did you do over there? Yeah, so I was at Uber close to two years. I initially came on to really take my pricing know how I gained from logistical labs and and really help build the V zero version of pricing at Uber Freight. So I you know really helped scope out educate the team on kind of the tooling we needed to price new load opportunities and take advantage of those RFPs in front of us. And so a lot of just uh, strategic operations, like how we needed to structure it, but also like help with the initial PRD to say, hey, engineers, data scientists. What is PRD? Product requirement document. And then I moved over to more of a strategic BD role because, you know, as we all know, or just for educational purposes, you know, the, the value prop for these initial digital brokers were saying, hey, we're going to get way more price discovery. We're going to augment the carrier sales org by giving the app to the drivers, and they're going to tell us what they're willing to to move a load for. And But I always saw it the other way too. I always said, hey, in a world where this is a very human-driven org, how can we minimize our sales organization and just have an API integration with many of these ER, uh, ERP TMS systems where, where the freight is living. And so I got to work with some of the largest, you know, enterprise software so in systems and supply chain to really pitch um, this native integration with a digital broker like Uber Freight. So yeah, that's, that's my time there. It was short, sweet, but got to work on some cool stuff. So
1: when and why did you start haul Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I, I left Uber Freight in, I decided to, you know, one, take some time off from outside of work. I'm a avid rock climber and just climber in general. And many, you know, many people may not be climbers on this podcast, but like climbing culture in the US is really built on the Jack act, you know, just hit the road. And I always envisioned I always wanted to hit the road and just climb and not have any responsibility. So it's hard to climb in Chicago yeah, or San Francisco. Yeah. So I, I spent <laughs> a few months, handful of months actually just ice climbing one winner, you know, believe it or not, it's, uh, but you know, when you change your LinkedIn, all heck breaks loose now. And, you know, I had a lot of companies reach out to me and say, Hey, like, what are you looking for? And I, I got to onto the shore. I got to work with some great freight logistics tech upstarts in the Bay area, in Europe and India, really think about, you know, the digital, digital strategy, go to market strategy. And, but it wasn't until, It wasn't until I started working with some of the big brands and I was kind of telling them what to do versus, uh, you know, them, you know, so I found out like, you know, we all never know if, can we build, can we do it on our own? And I just had a moment where I have domain expertise. I feel like I have, I have everything it would take to build something. And, but I I was missing a technical co-founder and that's what I found in my co-founder Tawan. We both got along at Uber Freight. Wait, so what's your co-founder's name? Tawan. Okay. What's his last name? Lee. Tawan Lee. Yeah. Okay. I'll be
1: sure to connect with him. Yeah,
0: he, you know his his background's amazing. He was early com- tech guy. Yeah, he was the he was the ETA on the Uber app. So anyone who may have been upset with whether the Uber got there earlier or, or late, <laughs> that, that's him. But he got you know he took Uber Freight International. He was the engineering lead there. But you know we connected, and I didn't have to explain to him why trucking was so exciting you know when we were at conferences he was jumping into trucks like talking to drivers and so i didn't need to get him excited about the space so that was important to me because i grew up in it i i logistics and transportation fed me so i really have a passion but for someone who's coming out of the space you just want to make sure like they're willing to grind they're willing to you know willing to work hard because that's what our industry uh, requires and
1: what hole did you see in the market that made you want to start haul I mean, I know we all know we all talk about like a driver shortage. That, that you must have had something beyond that. Yeah, so, no,
0: that's a good question, Joe. For us, that's a
1: constant backdrop of our industry.
0: And I think that's what it was. Like in our in starting a company is risky, right? So you want to just take a big bold bet, right? And so when Tuan and I were whiteboarding business ideas, you know, it's very similar to this whiteboard behind me. We were like, Okay, what should we do in trucking? And we were looking at the whole value chain of the of trucking outfit. And I kept saying like, "Tuan, what about the workforce question? It's on every report every year for the past every year I've been in trucking. What about like, let's take on the labor question and that, you know, just to lay the backdrop, you know, at that time, you know, 2000, late 2018, 2019, the only big plays of trying to alleviate the worker question was autonomy. And I like to go, I like, I'm a very contrarian and I, and I do think, you know, we can have a whole another podcast. I do think it will be applications of autonomy and trucking, but as we've seen, as it played out and we're still seeing, it's still a long way away. And, but trucking is really suffering now. And I think there's still value to create today.
1: Again, I'm not an insider on this by any stretch, but I'll throw this out there regarding autonomous driving. We have drivers who unfortunately are in accidents every day All we wish they weren't so even the best drivers unfortunately could be in an accident when you think about an autonomous vehicle if it should be in an accident today it would be front page news and if somebody was killed god forbid it would be probably multiple days there'd be huge lawsuits there'd be all sorts of you know liability discussions and bad press for everybody and again those are all less than you know the cost of a life but My sense is autonomous vehicles are going to have to be better than the best driver. (laughs) And in some regards, it's almost has to be flawless for, because again, it's the public perception of, of what could go wrong. And it's just the same as, you know, you think about all the things that we have humans do where there's errors, but you wouldn't feel comfortable without, well, I'll just throw this out there. If let's just say, God forbid you needed some sort of surgery and they're like, Hey, good news, Tim, we're going to have a a robot's gonna do that surgery and it's gonna be, it's even better, more effective and more efficient than a, a, a doctor. You'd be like, hold up. Like <laughs> That is a very good analogy. <laughs> Uh, like, can you? <laughs> can I meet this robot? I mean, <laughs> can we? <laughs> no, and you're, how, you're absolutely how right. How long will it take for you to get comfortable with that robot? <laughs> A long time. It'd have to convince you of its humanity. <laughs> and that's it.
0: And that's it. That gets beyond just logistics, transportation. That gets into kind of more of an existential, theoretical, um, almost theological question. And you know, that's not what this podcast is about. But what you just hit it on, Ted, and, and I and I think we're very far from that. And and so I, I I said okay there has to be another contrarian play so let's build for today and Tuan and I went up the values, the, the tech stack of HR recruiting staffing and trucking we said is the is the job board broken is the applicant tracking system broken and you know and we were like no the job board's pretty good right you know it, it, it does its job and and then we went deep layers, the applicant tracking system broken and. And openly, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel really excited to build that piece of tech. And then we said, okay, what, what, what's closer to the driver? How can we take a little bit more ownership of um, matching drivers? And that's where we, we actually got inspiration outside of the industry. We actually were looking at what's happening in healthcare around very eerily similar question mark around nursing, shortage, highly credentialized. And we saw some digital staffing players in the nursing world that we, we looked we looked within we say does this exist in trucking can we actually source credentialized drivers on a platform and have them choose their work and we saw that there was it was a niche service today in trucking and some of the largest providers were using a lot of analog me- methods phone and, and, I, and I, I you know i kid you not i i saw the motion i was like that is brokerage i know brokerage. Like I, I know that motion. I know how to build for that. I know like how you, and that's where the origin story happened. We we started. We looked out. We looked outwardly to actually find a solution for within the trucking industry, and that's that's how we decided to to build build Hall.
1: Yep. So who are your customers? Who do you serve, and what problems do you solve for them? Yeah. You know, I
0: think the our number one value prop: we connect trucking companies to drivers our customer base are four higher carriers, 3PLs and private fleets. You know, so some brands out there that people may know, you know, the riders of the world, you know, the core marts of the world, one of the largest private fleets food service provider and some of the largest private uh, for hire carriers of uh, of, uh, of our um, United States. But also I do want to admit like a lot of our customers are mid sized small fleets that right they they
1: don't have a full-time recruiter or an hr team they right? don't
0: they don't so I, I i you know as much as i love the big brands and i count them as loyal customers i do always like to highlight my customers are the biggest customers to me are the small ones because that's a majority of our of our customer base and that's a majority of our industry so i always like when you say small what is that what do you give, quantify that I, I i always think you know 50 or less trucks you know, I and again, uh, like, that's
1: a lot of trucks and me,
0: <laughs> that's a lot, but you know,
1: yeah, C- compared to the the uh, JB Hunts and the Ruans of the world that got you know thousands of trucks and you see their logos terminals everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, well, not necessarily. I always say, not necessarily. I joked uh, with the Ruan guys the other day that it's just it's Ruan inside, like uh, Intel inside, because so many of their trailers are, yeah. That's fair. Branded to their customer. That's fair. But yeah, more and more more and more companies are realizing I'm gonna take my private fleet and have a trucking company manage as a dedicated asset. But anyway, that's getting off track. <laughs> t- off track. So you work, you help these under fifty uh trucking companies, under fifty trucks. That's, that's your, that's your sweet spot. Yeah. And so that's, that's our, uh, our, so I know that's one side of the equation. Yeah. That's what,
0: like, that's, that's our biggest customer. You know, we, in a world where truck drivers, commercial drivers, 3.5 million of them active in the United States, that is one of the largest workforces in our country. And it's wild to think there's not a, a, a very curated job search experience for them, And, you know, so when we build product, we actually today, you know, just did a total uh, overhaul of our app and redeployed it and it's available in the Google app and Google and Apple store, really trying to make finding a job that matches a driver's preferences, earning goals much easier, you know, and that and again, that is us building for the driver, how do we curate the job search, make it a little bit easier, because at the end of the day, I, I will say that I say this publicly. The modern driver is more of a freelancer. They are optimizing their earnings and their preferences. And some compete as we've competed in our career over that nice commute, maybe not the pay or that big pay and maybe not many hours with the family.
1: I've said this a number of times on my podcast. I might as well say it again. I feel like I'm I'm one of the late, I'm one of the youngest baby boomers. And I would like to work until I I have no reason to retire. I I don't know what I would do. So... (laughs) The driver, the average driver age is well into its 50s, right? So I see a lot of those guys who are, could live well into their 90s when they're 55, 60 years old, 65 years old, might still be young, young enough, vibrant enough, able, more than able to do that job. But I could see a lot of them saying, you know, my kids are grown. I don't want to grind like I once did. The kids are out of the house. I paid for the college I'm going to pay for. But I would love to work 10 months a year. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to go to my cottage or I'm going to go to Florida or I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Or I want to work four days a week or three days a week. And I think we're going to have, not just in trucking, but everywhere, we're going to have to look at those people and say, yes, I can do that. And I'll throw one other thing out there. We've not made truck driving good enough for women. It's not safe enough. They tend to want, they want to be, they're more likely to say, I want to stay home near my kids, near my family. They're more likely to take on more child care and parent care in some cases if a mom says i want to work and i'm a great driver but i need to be off come may so i can be with my kids for the summer or even or even
0: wednesday and friday because i have to be home with them like even and that's the whole premise behind hall is that we need to make a career in trucking way more flexible and we need to let drivers search for a job based on not only earning potential, like earning goals, because we have to pay bills, but we also need to su- really suggest what schedule they're willing to take. So we need to get, and that's, and that's what I tell all our fleet partners. It's, it has nothing against you, major fleet or small fleet, but right. your job, let's face it, has been commoditized to a certain extent, but your job, how you need to attract drivers is really the assignment what they're going to get what's the schedule they're going to get what's the earning goals what is the predicted hours um, that is truly how and again and you mentioned earlier it's, it's not just in trucking but trucking is such a unique use case in workforce management that a lot of these trucking companies have no tools to manage the flex driver you know the flex driver and you know because the TMS is not meant for it the HRIS system is not meant for it
1: It's very interesting uh, when we had the ELD change happen. I was talking to a trucking company they're close to. And they said, and I won't mention the names of the uh, company, but very large Fortune 500 company said, I don't care about your ELD changes. We've been doing this schedule the same way for 25 years. We're not changing. And they're like, yeah, but as soon as we have a few dings against us because of ELD, you won't use us. They're like, what do you mean? Well, as soon as our safety score goes down, our CSA score goes down, you're not going to use us. And they go, well, there's that. And so they're like, they basically didn't want to change the schedule that they've had forever since the beginning of time. And I understand that. If you're running a manufacturing facility or a, D- a DC and you say, I have these demands, I don't want a part-time workforce. I, I understand that. But I think one size fits all does not work. And I think we're going to have a labor shortage for a while. As the baby boomers retire before their kids are fully up to speed, there is a lull. And by the way, it's not just here. We have a heard, saw Elon Musk the other day on a little quick interview. I think it was on Instagram that I saw it. And they said, What's the biggest problem that the world faces? And he said, Depopulation. China will be half the size in the next 25, 30 years. The US baby boomers or the, our, the, our parents, I should say, we're the only ones who had children after the war. We still tend to be suburban and even rural. And those are the people who have kids. If you live in the city and you live in a thousand square feet, you don't have as many kids as the farmer. So the U.S. has will not suffer as much as the rest of the world, but we still are going to suffer a little bit with skilled trades like this one.
0: And again, what, uh, this, what we're suffering from here is happening in the U.K., is happening in Germany. Like this what the 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 truck driving or uh, if we just focus on the truck industry has very eerily similar trends happening in other countries and oh yeah so look i always say look outwardly to look within and you know we can kind of see the writing on the wall unless our industry takes immediate action and it starts as simple as giving visibility to drivers about the work they're going to take on, giving them autonomy and ownership of selecting the work and giving them flexibility to augmenting the work they're willing to take. Right.
1: <laughs> I would also say this. I joke about this and I'm only half joking. Uh, you're out in Colorado. I'm back here in Michigan. If I drove out to see you for the week <laughs> where I'm going on vacation, I say, yeah, I'll, t- I'll see you at your place. If I got to your place after that long, what, two, two and a half, three day drive out to Colorado, I would get there. And if I got there and you said, I call and I say, hey, Tim, I'm here. you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to jump in the shower and have lunch, then I'll get with you. I'd be like, I hate that guy. I'm going to go buy eggs. I'm going to egg his house, (laughs) F him, right? We do that to truck drivers on a regular basis. They drive across the country, get somewhere, and then they say, do you mind waiting around? Oh, I know you're wanting to get back for your kids baseball game or for your anniversary, or for your trip up north or, or to your next load, but I don't care. We have abused that and they, and to some extent, we're, we're getting better. We're, we're paying them a little detention, but that's not enough. It, we, we have to do better. We have to make this experience one uh, that, that to me, that's just, Courtesy. If you drove here or I drove to see you, I'd be like, man, come on in. You want to take a shower? Let me get you a beer, whatever. Like from a perspective of just how you would treat a fellow human being. It's all we don't framing and
0: optics. And, and again, I, I, am not, I am not providing a solution to make trucking less, uh, we say less sucky or less, less hard. No, but in, you're
1: creating a platform. We're creating
0: a platform to allow it to be way more transparent around the people drug. will compete if they have to <laughs> and again I, I I truly it's really making sure people are compensated for their time as well and I and I can always get off tangent of how these convoluted pay schemes that trucking companies use to compensate their drivers. it's and at the end of the day everyone knows they're just trying to minimize what they need to pay their drivers and I'm like well i'm I'm sure you probably have drivers coming out you probably have a really bad retention problem so we're
1: gonna we're gonna end up with Yelp for drivers that allow them to Say you know what I'm not going, and we're the ELD is giving us that data. And if I get to the place where I say you know what, they seem like nice folks, but I see the ELD data suggests that uh, they don't unload people on time. I'm not I'm not going to go there. Anyway, so you help drivers with this app, and you help these the trucking the carriers themselves. So, is this how do you make money?
0: Yeah. So in our current model, you know, we, we charge the carriers for drivers that are working within their truck. So markup on top of the hourly rate. So service fee, theoretically. And So
1: how long are the drivers typically going to work for these companies? It ranges.
0: You know, we have drivers today, you know, we had drivers today pick up just-in-time needs in Inland Empire. Um, but we also have drivers who have been dedicated on assignment with one of our fleet partners close to two years. So it, it ranges. So are,
1: they, are, are those guys working? Are the drivers working for you? Or are they working for the trucking company? They're technically
0: hauls employees, haulers on the platform, W two employees. Okay. So how long is the average assignment? We see on our platform about sixty days is the average length of assignment on the platform.
1: Yeah, and so this fits this fits a lot of drivers' perspectives. And I'll throw, I'm I'm in Michigan where we have lots of sportsmen, and if you get if you get an hour outside of detroit there's hunting but if you go 2 or 3 4 hours north there's lots of hunting fishing yeah. lots of sportsmen and i can see lots of lots of people saying i'm going to go and i'm going i know they do it because we're, when de- when deer season hits a lot of companies take the day off here <laughs> because um and that's a lot of a lot of guys who might be drivers say the hell with it i'm going to go hunt for a week i love that And they should
0: they should you know and and the the real goal is how trucking companies of all stripes because there's different types different they need to really create a flex workforce that's self-healing and and is agile and you only do that with having a a system of record that allows you to know who's credentialized at what time who's available at what time because and this is for all of the people who may really geek out on just a software stack of the modern trucking company. The TMS has it wrong, right? We, what happens in a carrier? They say yes to freight and then they go try to plan it and they, they say yes to that load and then they try to see if they have uh, equipment available. Yes. And then they look at their available drivers and they try to make magic happen. And, they, and then they say yes and they try to say, can we move this on Monday because we don't have anyone available. I've always been a proponent of And I truly believe this is where the future has to happen. You need to go the other way around. What drivers are available at what pay, what availability? And then you start saying yes to freight that way. That is the only way that carriers are going to be able to say yes to freight moving forward.
1: But at least a percentage of the workforce wants that flexibility. Totally.
0: I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying more and more people and again you know I, i'll rather over index on more flexibility because flexibility is different from everyone right i have a yeah. i have a driver dean who's a retired state trooper who had a cdl and and gigs on the platform twice twice a week he's not looking for a career in trucking he's looking for a job right
1: i took a lift nuts just a so long ago and um talking to the driver. and He's like 70 years old. He said, you know, I retired. He said, but um, I sell real estate and I do this. And while we were driving, he had a call from, he goes, he took the call and it was to show a house. And I remember he said, I love what I'm doing. He goes, I wish I did this 20 years ago. And he goes, I make money on Lyft and I make money selling houses. He goes, I find Prospects here, I love that. So th- that, and he says, and I've complete flexibilities. And I think what we're going to see is, um, well, we are already seeing it. People have parents who are living. I have a, <laughs> I have a, my cousin's grandpa who I've known my whole life. Turns 107 this year. Obviously, he needs a little hand here and there. We, a lot of us, have older parents. When you say, look, I want that, I want to be able to be with my mom or my dad or my uncle or aunt when they need me. And that might mean I can't work a, a tr- traditional job, and maybe you just get to a
0: point where you go, you know, the house
1: is paid for, the kids are out of the house, the hell with it. I just want to work when I want to work.
0: <laughs> That's the reality that many industries are facing, and, and trucking just happens to be one of the largest ones. You know, so it, you know, so how many,
1: t- how off, how long do people stick with the platform? So let's just say I, I, I'm, I'm a guy, and I go and I I work for sixty days for haul, and then. I decide I want to quit or the, 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 job ends. And do those guys tend to come back? Do you see yeah, repeats? Yeah. We
0: have close to, uh, over a 90% repeat rate. So drivers month over month are so month over month, you know, that fluctuates platform within a 12 months. We see majority of drivers come back uh, to platform, you know, over 90%.
1: So you don't think you can say this is what drivers all want. But it's certainly a segment of the driving population says this works.
0: And yeah, and, and the goal is, I think we, you know, from you know, kind of temp staff drivers, you know, we think of we think of as a SWAT team, people, you know, drivers that come in and help help out a carrier. You know, we think this platform really can be expanded across all drivers. How, you know, because what we built from helping drivers really find that right job that fits them and their preferences and earnings, this can be applied for direct higher opportunities as well we see the platform expanding you know we, we really do that you know we're, we're really applying the right tech
1: yeah i also know of a few brokerages that i've known along the way when when christmas season comes they're like moving a lot of christmas trees and they'll say you know what we'll, we'll lease a truck for 60 days or 30 days and then they'll say we need a driver and so they they get they hire somebody they're not they're not looking to hire somebody for the long haul, and they don't have an HR team that is used to going out and hiring drivers. So I imagine they're just looking for owner operators and who don't have a truck at that one minute. <laughs> we'll call it just an a, an, an operator. operator at that one minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting model, and again I can see so many um, opportunities for it. And again, it's not going to be for everybody. And if you're running a factory. Uh, I think you might say I'm going to supplement with this because it makes so much sense you I love what you just said self healing. Yeah. You know we we have had some tears in the supply chain over the last few years and that is not going away. This the challenges in Europe right now are bad. The that as we move supply chains back because of what's happening in China there's going to be lots of disruptions. Where there's going to be lots of times when we're going to need uh, that self healing, uh, that self healing characteristic, that band aid you
0: guys put on. <laughs> so it's it's exciting time to be in supply chain, whether in in the warehouse and distribution segment or in the kind of the over the road transportation or the freight pro. It's very exciting, and it's uh, I'm really excited to be part of it. Yeah.
1: Excellent. So I'm going to wrap this up and I'd rather than be trying to summarize all of what we talked about. I want you, Tim, think about um, this. You can answer in any way, order you want. What's next for you? What's next for Hall? And then what's next for the industry? And I say the industry, I'll just say it was driver recruiting and uh, I should say recruiting and deployment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: what's next for me? Uh, I am scheming my next climbing trip out down the mountains. What's next for Hall? You know, we're going to keep building for the driver to make their job search even, even much more seamless and, and and for them, you know, we rolled out a for you feature just a few weeks ago, which curates jobs for drivers that match their preferences. we've actually today, so if anyone, by the time they hear this goes to our website, we'll see a totally new deploy driver facing app that is makes searching for a job even easier again, as we're trying to really make it seamless for drivers to find job opportunities on haul. And then the next step is how do we broaden out our platform? Because a lot of the largest carriers in our country are really asking us, hey, like you're speaking to the drivers, you're getting in front of them, you're, you're having success. How can we work with you? So, again, we are really trying to further build out you know, what this platform can be. To address all drivers not just this segment of drivers that may just want to be a swat team for every three months
1: well yeah you know i didn't ask the question i have two questions on it you said it are you getting into gig economy
0: drivers oh, i would like to say we're powering the gig economy. like the so, last mile the last no, mile. we don't we well actually I, I will say we have only been supporting assignments on a platform that drives are home every night so daily daily regional dedicated local or are like ninety nine percent of all the assignments, so
1: so you'll continue oh yeah, I'm assuming you have some sort of metric how many how many drivers are looking at you looking at opportunities on your app every month in the thousands
0: we have uh, just from individual drivers and then we multiply that by recurrence. I think we have yeah right tens of thousands of uh, events happening on the app. All the time,
1: so it's just so it's it's rolling downhill, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and when you have ninety percent of the drivers repeat with you, that that's really really telling because it's not. It tells me they're not just looking and saying, "I'm unemployed" or "I'll try this once." They're like, "I did it, worked. I'm going to do it again." <laughs> even if we
0: even if we double click on our retention numbers, we, we have a feature on our platform um, on on the hall driver app instant pay where we allow drivers to access their End of day. We're the only one in trucking allowing a driver to do this today. And I, you know, we, every time a driver clocks out on the hall app after assignment, they have access immediately to the earned wages on, on the hall app. HH right? Dude, they that's
1: have, fantastic. We have hundred
0: percent retention of, 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 users using that app. So those, that's why carriers are knocking on the door saying. It reminds me when I used to be like in food service, I was a bus boy and, uh,
1: me and my friends also worked at the racetrack, and they called us party boys. They had no idea how much partying was happening there. But um, but I remember always having cash, which when you're when you get tipped when you and I used to say this is no way for an adult to live. But um, every once in a while, you just want that money in your pocket
0: right now. And and if you can if you can go to work and say I just got paid, man. Everyone's life situation is different you know, we can double click on that kind of financial services typically offered to commercial truck drivers. But how, if I'm a carrier and I'm trying to incentivize a driver to take this last minute. Exa-
1: By the way, other companies are starting to do stuff like that, where they're like making it easier and easier to get your money. And I love that idea. And and you know what, the, I will throw this out there. Drivers, tend, from my understanding of the people I know who drive they might they got a lot of things going on. So they might say, "Yeah, I've got a side business and I drive when I drive to support myself while I get this thing off the ground." And presto bingo, I got paid for my my work today. What a cool deal. Anyway, Tim, let's wrap this bad boy up. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll also put a link to the Hall, any Hall, I guess the Hall app, if you yeah. can give that to me. I don't know if you can download that uh, on a PC or uh, Apple, but give me any links you want. I'll put those in the show notes. And yeah, this was really great. I really enjoyed talking to you. This is this is. This is something that's new and different. I have not talked to anybody doing this so far. Yeah,
0: no, I appreciate it. And shout out to the team behind Hall really building every day. And even while we talk, you know, we're rolling out a whole new app redesign and a brand update. So it's not just me. There's a lot of people behind Hall building. to so really just, again, just connect trucking companies with drivers. That is our simple value statement. We, you know, we say, you know, what I think our tagline we're rolling out, is, you know, stop recruiting, start hauling. You know, like let us help. Like let us let us get you hauling. So it's
1: I I say it every every day now on my podcast. It's time to partner up. Uh, there are you know right now if you say oh we really want a load board, just use one of the existing ones. <laughs> like if you say I really want to I need a great TMS, don't build it. There's people already built them. You know like <laughs> I and I know there's that's not an answer for everybody, but I feel like partnering is what you see the biggest and best companies are doing. So it makes a lot of sense. Anyway, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And and thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward.